White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Right after, grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 on Twitter. Chris Tannehill is at that. Chris Tannehill and at Locked On Sox is where you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and go to YouTube and subscribe. You can maybe win a Locked On Sox prize pack if you want to leave us a voicemail it is 312-566-8727 312-566-8727 or email locked on socks at gmail.com without any further ado it is chris Tannehill. chris awesome night how you doing yeah it really was it's episode 252 and we are brought to you today by locker room download the locker room app from the ios app store and find one of our locked on rooms locker room changing the way we talk sports well i'm doing well it's a fun friday it's a feel good fast friday and depending on where you're celebrating it's probably a pizza friday and the white Sox won the white Sox win print the banner line up the parade michigan avenue on the studs turtle bridge division street let's go the white Sox send the blue jays home with a series loss five to two the white Sox win last night taking two out of three from toronto and uh, it was a really nice bounce back victory in a lot of ways and we're going to get to the the big news of the day in segment two as far as the nick madrigal injury and how that's going to shape the rest of uh, the season here but after getting the news about nick madrigal going on the il for 60 days White Sox responded exactly how you would want them to respond last night. Getting on the board early, uh, hitting a good pitcher in Ryu early. You know, as they often say, you got to get to the good ones early if you want to get to them at all. And the Sox were able to do that. They uh, tag Ryu for three runs early, and they sort of never looked back. You would have liked to score a little bit more there. They did tack on at the end, making the game a little bit more comfortable. But we begin where we always do, Herb, is the man on the mound. And just last night, we were saying, or two nights ago now, we were saying how, man, this would be a really nice time for vintage Dallas Keuchel to make a return, even though we just saw him against Detroit. Uh, I don't know if we thought that was an anomaly or not, but uh, old Cy Young Dallas Keuchel came back and and reared his head, his ugly head, if you're a Toronto Blue Jay, and he was just awesome last night for the White Sox. He goes six innings, scatters six hits, gives up the two runs. They were earned, two walks, eight strikeouts, and this is with uh, playing with more outs than uh, than he wanted to uh, allow the opposing team because of the defense behind him, which we'll get to in a second. But you got to love the uh, the outing that Dallas Keuchel gave you last night, uh, a night where the Sox really needed it. Yeah, we talked about it. This is a potent, potent team with the Toronto Blue Jays on the offense. And the White Sox have a long stretch until they don't have a game until like they play from now until the 20th straight. So games every day, you need the bullpen to get a rest because they worked extra time in the first two games versus Toronto. And Dallas Keiko did exactly that. Got him the six innings, got him a great performance. He should have only been 
charged with one earned run. We'll get to that later. But Dallas was was vintage Dallas. Hits his cutter was unhittable, especially he knew. And at the end of the game, when uh, at the end of the uh, outing for Dallas Keuchel, the Toronto Blue Jays knew that he was throwing that cutter inside. They couldn't do anything with it. We saw, I think, one of those hitters probably put his hands in and gra- grab a single late, and that's where he got the uh, base knock. But otherwise, that man was on fire before the miscue by uh, Yohan Mancata with that cutter. The changeup was working well. He would mix in a fastball every once in a while, uh, which is a sink piece. But Dallas Keuchel was vintage. He was inducing a lot of ground ball outs. And when Dallas Keuchel is on his game, it's very hard for the White Sox to lose because then you know he's going to give you six. You know he's going to give you three earned or less. And with this offense, they should be instant winners with that type of effort. Yeah, we'll get to the defense in a second because it should have been a really easy outing for Dallas tonight. It should have been a very comfortable outing, maybe even seven innings without the extended pitches he had to throw. But you go back to a few sequences in this game that, that were huge. You know, getting Bichette out of the equation, he really sets the tone at the top of that lineup. As you see, like in, in the Blue Jays lineup, even uh, the number nine hitter often will set the tone as you get into the later stages of the ball game, and they be, all of a sudden become a really dynamic offense when you get guys on base ahead of Guerrero, but the Sox were able to keep them in check for the most part of the series. And I go back to that sequence in the fourth inning when uh, when Dallas Keuchel just made Bichette look ridiculous on that changeup uh, mm. out of the zone where it's like, you know, I, listen here, son, like there's still, this is the art of pitching right here. This is moving all parts of the zone in, down, <laughs> you know, up and away. And that was and- weird, Tanny, when you're talking about that changeup, I think, I'm trying to think of Bichette's mindset. Does he think it's going to curve back in because, yeah, you said it was off the plate, but the art of pitching is, okay, this guy, this going to have some movement back and hit the inside, outside quarter. But it was off the plate. Dallas Keuchel's a genius. <laughs> yeah, it's really well. And, you know, you you would think, like, a, a pitcher like Dallas Keuchel would play right into the hands uh, of, the, of this type of offense with a lot of young guys swinging really hard and oftentimes hitting hard. But they have a lot of professional hitters in this lineup, and Dallas was able to hold them down a little bit. Um, fifth inning. You get the two infield singles that lead to trouble, and Abreu, that play that should have been made, he decides to take it to the bag himself instead of tossing it right to Dallas. This is where an inning where I think Dallas Keuchel's gold glove pedigree as a, as a pitcher kind of uh, worked against him in that regard. Like at least Not in that play in particular, but the ensuing play, or at least the, the second infield hit later where it was him and Moncada going after the same ball. I think maybe he would have had a better chance to allowing Moncada to grab that ball and, you know, charge in instead of Keiko going back and, you know, throwing a basically a fadeaway to first base. But um, then he gets Bichette to end that inning after he, he buries that cutter in on his hands. And I don't care, you know, when you put a cutter that far in on someone's hands, they can hit it as hard as they want. It's not going to stay fair. And Bichette, that ball just jumps off that kid's bat, man. And that's my biggest takeaway from this series, looking at Toronto. Like, we know Vlad Jr. is going to be a problem, and he's an awesome young player. But, like, I, he, oftentimes guys like Bichette, and we didn't even see Biggio this series, but Bichette nope. gets overlooked. Like, you know, I just, what a great, you know, young hitter. Hits the ball hard a lot, but you know, get that cutter in on your hands, and then all of a sudden, Dallas will hit you with that changeup uh, away. It, it really is, uh, is fun to watch. But the, the sixth inning, the Moncada thing, forgetting yeah. how many outs there are, you, mm. you know, I know, you know, they've already played more regular season games than they did all of last season. And I know they're in a tough stretch of a lot of games and a lot of days, and they're dealing with the, the emotional weight of, of losing a team, teammate for an extended period of time. But 
got to keep your head in the game, kid. You know, that was that's something that cannot happen against a good team. And frankly, I'm surprised they were able to get out of that with the lead. And I and I enjoy Dallas Keuchel giving give him the side eye, you know, as he should in that situation. I don't mind a pitcher not going out there and making a, uh, a spectacle and dressing you down. But there are expectations uh, at the major league level, especially if you're trying to win a pennant here. So that just that's something you got to clean that stuff up. And, and the, the physical errors tend to happen. But, you know, that that's something that we got to have cleaned up. And I, I think for the most part, the team has been pretty good about the mental errors since the first month of the season. But that's something you just can't have happen. Agreed. He can't do that. It's the major leagues. There's a bunch of ribbon boards. And if there's one right behind you, the big scoreboard that tells you how many outs there are, if you ever forget. So that's inexcusable. You have to. If Dallas Keuchel is on the mound, you have to feel your position and you have to get the outs when he gives them to you. That's his game. So, yeah, Dallas is going to give you side. Eye, and I have no problem with that. Yo, on Mankata, the head's got to be 100 percent in the game. Like, I don't understand right there, like what he was thinking. Like I knew and I was thinking the same thing with Dallas. If you see him on, in the replay, he's like, what, 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 what the? <laughs> no, what the my, my, my outs. Guys, happened to my outs. <laughs> that guy, throw it a second. Then he'll, if he doesn't make it, fine. But at least the attempt, you know, you have to. I mean, yeah, people, it didn't cost us the game, but also these things are vital. You can't keep on making mental mistakes. And like Tanny said, we haven't made that many this year. The team has been pretty solid, both physically and mentally, as far as the airs go. But you can't do it from here on out. I'm glad it happened in what game 62 so you can correct it and it can never be thought about and you could never do it again. So it's good to nip it in the butt and it didn't cost us necessarily because they did score that run that Yoan didn't get out at second, but you know, the white Sox maintain the lead Dallas got his victory because we have great, great bullpen and great hitting that came in after that. Yeah. Let's, let's get to that bullpen, but just capping Dallas Keuchel's, you know, fine outing, just allowing things to not get out of control there after that. Like they really could have easily. And then we could be sitting here saying, man, lost two out of three to a good team. You lost your second baseman. And all of a sudden you don't know how you, how you feel about where the white Sox stand among, you know, a solid competition. That's why that was, that was a big moment right there for Dallas getting out of that game the way he did and a big series victory. So let's talk about Do you that. think before, sorry, we go to that. Do you think that Tony would have taken a regular, like say let's don't cease out of the game after Dallas walks Joe panic. That's, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did have that on my notes as well. The, the idea of giving Evan Marshall the clean inning right there. I don't know if it was the, the, which factor it was. I don't know if there was a factor of, Hey, I trust my guy, the Cy Young award winner to get us out of this inning to get some soft contact and get out of this thing. I trust him more so to do that. Or, you know, if it was, I don't want Evan Marshall coming in with a, with a dirty inning, whatever it was, it, it worked. And, you know, we, we criticized Tony a lot, but, and, you know, certainly we've seen how many times where a pitcher talks the manager into staying in the game and it not working. Um, but I think you trust Dallas Keuchel. He's earned that right. And that, that was a good move right there. You know, we criticized Tony often, but that was the move that I would have done with. I don't want to see Evan Marshall in and anything less than than a clean inning at this point like you know it's it's important to get them stabilized a bit before you start rolling them out there in in high pressure spots and i know that's part of their job 
is to, to come in when things are, are tense and you got runners on base. But I think the, the the contact that Dallas was giving up, even though it started to get a little bit harder towards the end of the game, I think that was the right move right there to keep him in there because it was his game to win or lose at that point. I agree. And if we're going to talk about what Evan Marshall did today, man, did you see the emotion after he struck out Bo Bichette in the, I think it was the seventh inning, um, amazing. He wanted it. He had deduced the ground ball to from Mark and Simeon, um, the hitter before. But once he struck out Boba Shep, and he was filthy today. Did you see that curveball that Boba Shep just didn't know was there and swung late at it? And you saw Evan Marshall pump the fist, Liam Hendricks style. And I don't know if I've ever seen a motion from, uh, from Evan Marshall as his two plus years here as the White Sox uh, reliever be that hyped up. This is a big game for them. I'm sure they thought like, you know, we've didn't do well versus the Yankees. We split with Boston. This East over here might be laughing at us to beat this team, which is not the best team out of the AL East, but a good team in, in its own right, especially a team a good that's test, yeah. in a, but like nomads. It's a good test and it's good to get a victory. And they all wanted it. And you saw that emotion from the seventh inning of Evan Marshall striking out a big time hitter like Bo. I love it. I love seeing that. I love seeing the fist pump from from Yaz. I love that as well. Like I love that this team is is uh, you know inspired and they're responding uh, with with emotion out there. It doesn't. It's not something that's tangible and it doesn't mean anything in the box score. It doesn't you know necessarily translate to wins and losses. But the fact that they've they've responded the way they have after all these big injuries that they've had, like I I just love I love the passion out there, man. You, you love to see it. You need it. You don't need to be a hardo out there 100 percent for 162 games because you're going to get yourself exhausted mentally. But there are times where you know it's, let's take it up a notch. Let's dial in the intensity a little bit. Let's let's lock it in. Let's get fired up. Let's not you know be be afraid to to show that we're pumped up. And I'm wondering how much of that is the Liam Hendricks effect because he is so just contagious when he's out there like if he gets fired up and he, you know sometimes he'll, he'll trick himself into being fired up out there even in a non-safe situation or but still being the last man out of that bullpen it's a different vibe and everyone's trying to do their part to to get it to Liam Hendricks because right now he's been as, as good as anyone in the league as far as you know closing out these ball games so that's that's a big big thing when you can you can shorten the game like they can as of late and I don't want to skip over Cody Hoyer, who did give up a little bit of hard contact, but he was able to get out of the inning unscathed. So hopefully this is the, the next step for Cody Hoyer to to fall back into place because the things are going to need to 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 stabilize again. That's the word I always use with the bullpen. Like you just need you need some comfortability there, and you need to know you can pencil guys in, give guys clean innings, and everyone knows their role, and things are not in disarray, especially as you uh, await Michael Kopech's return. So uh, just a job well done by the pitching staff and the bullpen tonight. Liam Hendricks just absolutely getting it done again, and uh, you love to see that. So I mentioned earlier at the top, the White Sox responding quickly with three runs in the first inning, the big blast coming off the bat of Yasmani Grandal with the two-run shot. But, you know, you look at your leaders in, in a time of crisis, right? And Jose Abreu getting the, the, the first run of the game in with his double. And then you have Yaz, who's really starting to, to really click here. You can tell he's healthy. It's fun to watch. Going opposite field, you know, he's flexing the, the muscles there when he's rounding third base, going oppo. Uh, you love to see that, man. You love to see your leaders coming through. Abreu chipping in with another RBI double late in the ball game to put this thing out of reach. So you, you, it's important to have this veteran leadership, guys that have been through the wars when you're going through stuff like this. And it was certainly encouraging to see those guys step up tonight and early. You know, I think that was the most important part that they got on the board early and sort of, you know, released that pressure release valve 
you get your veteran pitcher a few runs early, and I think that was instrumental in helping Dallas Keuchel settle in a little bit. Yeah, and Henry Ryu is going to be a tough customer no matter what. You see the ERA. You see the the years of work and good good work by Henry Ryu. So getting three runs off him early probably put a little comfortability, as you said, for the bullpen and probably put a little comfortability into Dallas Keuchel's head to say, hey, my guys gave me three. That's plenty. I got these guys, even though we're a tough team out there. Three runs in the first inning. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And yes, Monty Grandal keeps on impressing me. He is just turned it on. It seems like maybe that knee thing that people were talking about and you referenced that he had in spring training and early into the season has finally healed itself. And he's turning on the power. Like he didn't have a lot of home runs and a lot of uh, production in that regard. He was just walking a lot. And that's all his uh, things were strikeouts, walks. And now he's putting the third true outcome together with the home run ball, his 10th of the year. Man, the guy just, I feel comfortable with him at the plate. And I know that Tony put Yermin at the yes. two-hole. I wanted to ask you there. that. Yeah, what did you think about Yermin in the two-hole? He gets two hits tonight. Pretty get good. To start, get to start early with the with the double uh, in the first inning there. What did you think of that in the two-hole there? Pretty good. I And he, yeah, what is he, two for four on the day? I liked what he was doing. And maybe that's the platoon you do. Your means in the lineup every day. But when it's a lefty, he's the two hitter. And when it's a righty, it's going to be Yasmani because that is what I like. He gets on base at a 40% clip. And you can't beat that. You cannot beat that, especially to sign us to have your guys behind you of Mancata and Brady to drop you in. So, yeah, the offense was awesome. And you're talking about comfortability for the bullpen. I want to talk about that Adam Ingle home run that happened in the seventh inning. I think set up success for Cody Hoyer, especially. You have a two-run lead instead of a one-run lead. He can breathe a little bit more easier and do his thing. His stuff was nasty today, moving all over the plate, incorporated the changeup really nicely. And I think, you know, he has great stuff, but having a two-run lead there instead of a one-run lead that he's protecting in the eighth really helped him out. Absolutely. And let's not forget, he did get that double playground ball, uh, you know, two nights ago. Just, you know, the the error, you weren't able to make a, make it convert there. But he, you know, was able to, to come up big in that spot, too. To me, I consider that coming through. So that's back to back performances now from Cody Hoyer, where he's getting the job done at the end of the day. So, you know, uh, it's good to see. It's encouraging. Love to see him. Adam Engel come back in that home run. Maybe he can relax a little bit up there because he came out of the gate like, you know, just trying so hard to make it happen and pick up right where he left off in 2020. You know, it's hard to jump uh, on a moving train here. It's what this White Sox team is being in first, first place and all. And Adam Engel, a guy who's been sitting on the sidelines watching it, knowing that he had earned a spot on this ball club and spring training and just being able to just have to sit there and watch it all, you know, transpire in front of him. Maybe he can relax a little bit, made a couple nice plays in the outfield as he's one to do. But yeah, that, that home run was huge right there for everyone involved. So tacking on runs late against good teams, that's going to serve you well in October. We'll take a quick time out and we'll dive deep. I know I don't, it's a fun Friday, but we do have to talk about this Nick Madrigal situation next here on Locked on White Sox. We'll take a listen to some of your voicemails as well here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our new friends at Sports Trade. Have you guys heard about Sports Trade? Well, it's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. 
Finally, it's a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports, and they just added baseball to the platform. So check out Sports Trade today. Making money with Sports Trade is simple as player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points of the game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two, Good old supply and demand, baby. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. Starting to see how this works here a little bit? When you're ready to buy shares, you pick the penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. Instantly buy and sell as many shares in as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com and watch the How It Works video and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun and exciting and profitable new world of sports trading. Sports trade, this is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sportstrade.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport. With the help of our local experts, follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Rick Hahn spoke again today, and that's never a good sign. <laughs> and we, our worst fears were confirmed. Uh, I didn't even think we thought it was this bad when we did our show two nights ago, but the Nick Madrigal injury ends up being a torn uh, right hamstring that's going to get him on the IL for 60 days. And this one is particularly discouraging when you think about the level of play that Nick Madrigal had leading up into this injury. And then you think about their, they still may elect to, you know, just end his season and give him season ending surgery. They're going to wait and see how things transpire over the next week or so. But this is, uh, you know, this, this team has seen it all, man, this year. And, you know, nothing surprises me at this point, but another gut punch for this team, for a young player who we haven't even seen, we've, we've, you know, we've, we've barely seen this kid, for what like i don't know 90 games like yeah. how, many, how many games did he play last year well it wasn't like the whole 40 league. yeah so 100 if games that. you know and he's coming into his own as a major leaguer and he's finally at that stage where he's playing the best baseball of his young career on a good team and here he is on the shelf for 60 days man it just it, i don't know what to say anymore about it but it just sucks man you just it, i'm you know it's what did this team do to the baseball gods like maybe this is a situation where you look at all this stuff and like, you know, they surprise me, this team, every big obstacle that they've had, they've overcome. And the next man up has, has stepped up. And I just, you know, I, it doesn't surprise me that they've responded this way because they're, they're not going to pack it in. There's too many good players on this team and they're too talented and they have too much good veteran leadership here to pack it in. But what can you say about this Nick Madrigal thing, man? It just absolutely sucks. Yeah, and you're right. It's like 30 games last year. This is his 54th game that he left. Um, and I'm not as optimistic with this injury as I am with the yeah. other two, the Eloy and Luis Robert injuries. I think he's out for the year. Um, would be excellent if he came back like them at the end of the year to give us a little boost. But he was starting to play like the guy we were promised. And... And more. The slug was there. He's hitting 10 doubles this year. I think he had four or five triples, two home runs, driving in runs. The other day, Larry Garcia with the hit and run, uh, he hits a slider inside for a double, scores Larry easily. Like, he puts bats a ball, and th good things happen. 
He wasn't doing the dumb stuff on the bases. And that had improved. His arm had improved from second base, making a couple great sparkling plays in defense. The player that we were told, smart, heady, will hit, will hit for some power, not a lot. He was becoming that guy and more. And it's really sad to stop that progress he was having, probably feeling great about himself and probably, hey, I'm contributing to a first place team that can compete for a championship. I feel bad for the kid himself just gone through all the hell that we have put him through and he has put himself <laughs> through. You know, sometimes he he deserved the, the tongue lashing we gave him. But he has come into a place where he was comfortable with himself. The team was comfortable. The fan base was starting to come around to him. And it just sucks for him. I hope I'm wrong. And he comes back after two months off, two plus months off. And it's like, all right, I'm good. They rehab him and he comes back for the stretch drive. That'll be the best case scenario. But Ooh, it, it looks like a season anything and it's sad yeah i uh you know i'm not particularly optimistic you know either on this one usually i do think positive but uh you know the fact that it just you know these these injuries all look ugly and everybody's body heals differently in in, in a positive note rick Hahn did say that eloy and Luis robert were both moving into the next uh, phase of their uh, baseball reopening <laughs> as you know, whenever you hear phases now, <laughs> you think about that, but they're going to be begin resuming baseball activities soon. Now, I don't know exactly what that entails, picking up a bat running, whatever it is, but it's, it's encouraging. Like if you look at the day on a whole, you say, man, this sucks for Nick Madrigal, but good news on two other guys. Kopech seems close to coming back. You know, I don't know what's going on there. You heard Rick Hahn speak to, to that effect. You think this is a situation with Kopech where they're just sort of slow rolling it and not forcing it because this is the sky is their meal ticket uh, for next year. And even late this year, do you think they're just trying to get him as much rest as possible and make sure that his, his, uh, his injury is 110% healed. Yeah. I think that's exactly what they're doing because Rick spoke to the fact that they might just see him pitch a side real quick and then pitch a pitch, a, a off flat ground on which we was doing today, just throwing off flat ground, then pitch a uh, side, a bullpen. Sim game, and, I think they said on the broadcast today that they got yeah. that in the works, yeah. Yeah, then send them out for a sim game and then see if they need a full minor league rehabs thing or just bring them up to the majors and he's ready to go. I think in their case, they're probably going to have at least like one minor league rehab for him and slow down all this progression that he has. And Bruce brought up a good point when he was asking Rick Hahn. It's like, is this might be a blessing in disguise because he was – putting up innings as a regular reliever and then occasional starter that might've been a little uncomfortable and might not have been had him available for the late months and the playoff push. So this might be, you know, taking a couple bullets out of there, out of the chamber while you have them resting, it's good for them and they can hit their number while they're in the playoffs instead of him being shut down in September or being shut down in the middle of the months while he's still healthy. And maybe that's their grand plan that, you know, it was a little slight tweak of the hamstring and he's good and he could have came back a week ago, but there's no need to rush him because, you know, we don't need to. And we're doing well in the bullpen and the kid needs to save these bullets for the times in the playoffs where we're going to need him. So you take a look here back to Madrigal and how do we feel about Danny Mendick? He's a guy that we saw a lot in 2020 because of a Madrigal injury. 
played a, a superb defense, even gave you a little power. Obviously, you're not going to have the same contact rate or, or OBP even, but he almost made a hell of a play last night, uh, diving uh, up the middle there, almost snagged a rocket shot, and he's, he's a good athlete there, and he's, a, he's another baseball player. He does what you ask him to do, usually pretty well, even playing the outfield for the Sox earlier this season. Uh, how do we feel about uh, Danny Mendick the rest of the way, or do you think Rick Hahn's going to have to go shopping? Um. I feel Danny Mendick is a better option than Larry Garcia and always like, so I think that he's a better defender at the position there. I think he gives you a better at bat at the, at the plate, even though Larry's uh, switch hit it, switch hitting, but like Larry, he has a limiting factor. You play him too much. He gets exposed to the four a player that he is currently not because he doesn't give maximum effort. But sometimes he's players are not ready for the big time stage of getting a hundred plus games where he probably will you know be hitting that this year if they don't get anybody else he'll be getting majority of the starts at second base I hope at least so he's not hitting great this year as he did last year I would want them to go and look at another option. Um, well, I got the and, options here in, in front of me. Uh, I've got and Rick Hahn intimated that maybe that is a, a a choice. Like if there's a guy out there with controllable years and then you have Nick Magical for next year, it's good to have good depth. Absolutely. The, the problem is finding a guy who is good enough where he's cool with not starting every day. And, you know, second base is not a, a, a star studded position in terms of guys that are going to be free agents this, this uh, off season. But there are some interesting names here. I, I think Danny Mendick can get you through for a while. We know the White Sox don't have a ton of resources as far as uh, prospect capital goes at this point. So I don't think they're going to make any blockbuster trade for a second baseman. You know, I heard today on the score when we were doing the, uh, the Parkinson Spiegel show, we were talking about potential options uh, to replace Nick Madrigal. And, you know, we were going over the list of names. And one of the names uh, mentioned by Speaks was uh, Cattell Marte. And I was like, you know what? Just give me all the Martes because I want. Let's have a Marte party. Any Marte you can get, I, I will take at this point. I don't know. It's going to take a lot to get him. That guy's a hell of a player. But if you just look at guys that are on expiring deals here, you got Profar, Chris Taylor. Now, I'm not, I'm, you know, you know the context on a lot of these. You know, some of these guys aren't moving because of the teams they're on. Starlin Castro uh, on a team going nowhere. Uh, you know, Cesar Hernandez is, you know, a critical cog of what the Indians are doing right now. Jonathan Scope on an expiring deal from the Tigers. They are probably not going to trade in the division unless they have some sort of uh, sick fantasy of, of, of making sure that the, the Indians lose. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, uh, Jimmy Lambert for Jonathan Scope. Who says no? Um, Everybody. You know, <laughs> but, you know, these are not great options here. Brad Miller, you know, Donovan Solano, Wilmer Flores, uh, Joe Panic, who we've seen a lot of, you know, on an expiring deal, but he's probably not going to go anywhere. Uh, as Drupal Cabrera was a name floated to me by Speaks, uh, the ghost of As Drupal Cabrera. No, thank you. You know, so this is these are all you know guys that are on expiring deals that maybe uh, a team would consider moving, but most of these guys I think are going to stay put. So I think your best option at this point is Danny Mendick, unless you can come up with something creative like a Cattell Marte and 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 get someone like that who on a team who's not really going anywhere, but also, you know, you may have to give up a lot to get someone like that. So Rick Hahn's got a lot of tough choices here, man. We talked about the right-handed arms out of the bullpen being a big need right now. And, 
God forbid uh, one of these pitchers, these starters goes down. That was like my biggest concern, as you knew, like from when you talked about it during the offseason. So Rakan's got some choices to make here. And, you know, I hope Uncle Jerry's going to let him open up the pocketbook a little bit. And maybe the best way out of this is to absorb some salary because we know the financial situations, you know, even, you know, people saying even 100% capacity, we're going to lose money and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of interesting choices. And and I hope Rick Hahn sees what we see. And Rick Hahn's a smart guy, despite all the things you say about him. Um, but, um, you know, he, I think this team has shown to, to be one that you put your trust in and not in a way like, hey, I trust that our answers are here in the clubhouse right now and you guys got enough because I, I'm not entirely sure about that. There's still a hundred games left to go here. And I think, you know, if Rickon sees what I see in this team, I see a team that's special and there, there's something with this team where you can never count them out. You've got a lot of talent here. You've got a lot of great veteran leadership. And I just think they, they've responded to every bit of adversity thrown their way and that it should not be rewarded with more adversity. Like get, get them some help if you can, you know, like I think they deserve to have, uh, you know, that a little bit of, of, of a security blanket here and, and not have to rely on Danny Mendick because Danny Mendick's a great depth piece when he's that, when he's depth. And you never know until guys can play every day, but I don't want to see the platoon of, of Leary and Danny Mendick out there every day. This team is too good. You're on the Lance Lynn window here. And, you know, I, it's this is this, this is just a team that show. I see a, a team with World Series aspirations and, and a team that's mentally tough enough to, you know, get through the buzzsaw that is uh, playoff baseball in October. And I think Rick Hahn should, should see the same things that we see here. I don't know if you agree with me when you see this team right now, but I'm pretty excited at, at, at the, the prospects of, you know, Eloy coming back, Luis Robert coming back. And I know they're going to get help in that regard, but, you know, let's get something for the, for the interim here until those guys come back and, and, and get a little more firepower for this lineup. What do you think about uh, all that? I just kind of threw at you and what, what Rick Hahn sees when he sees this team right now. Well, the names you you mentioned there, I was thinking about one more. I don't know if you he's not a free agent this year. He's a free agent after next season. It's Adam Frazier. You know, you throw the 21 on his back. You bring all the <laughs> nice jerseys back. You know, his number's not 21 out there in Pittsburgh. It's 26. But the guy's having a solid year. He's hitting 329, 392, and 468 killing the ball, leading the league in hits and doubles at 21 doubles already for the Pittsburgh Pirates, a team that is garbage. And he's 29 years old. He's playing his uh, year 29 year. So he's close to free agency. You know, Pittsburgh wants to get rid of him before he's too expensive for them. And what Rick Hahn said, having options is not a bad thing. So yes, if, if Nick Magical at the end of the year comes back and you trade it for Adam Frazier, it's a great problem to have. You probably in the offseason have to think about trading Adam Frazier again or thinking about Nick Magical with a young career, trading him for more value over a piece that you might need in the uh, different position, like in the starting rotation or the reliever. So, yeah, the White Sox have overcome a lot of injuries. But as we said with Larry Garcia, as we said with Danny Mendick, eventually, once you're exposed too much, you get back to the normal numbers that you're going to be doing uh, usually. And you can only sustain so many entries. We thought we can sustain the alloy. Same thing with Luis. Now it's piling on. You need to go and push the pedal down 
and Jerry has to give him the ability. And four point three million is all that Adam Frazier's making this year. And I'm sure if he even doubles that next year, eight eight to ten million dollars, it's not prohibitive to get a guy like this. And I don't think he would cost anything that the White Sox don't have at the minor league level. Nothing that is uh, significant. Maybe a Jonathan Stever. Yeah, it'll hurt a little bit, but yeah, they're fine. gonna want a position player too. But I love that. I love where your head's at. And didn't we already see that last season with Gerard Dyson in the Pittsburgh uniform switch dugouts? And then he was a White Sox. With, I don't know if we could just take him back, right? <laughs> yeah, the him too. Yeah, just get all those guys, you know. But that would that would be funny, you know. They are in Pittsburgh in a couple of weeks, as we uh, as we noted famously here. We're looking forward to it. But yeah, I love where your head's at there. He's it's a hell of a player, and that would be a good option from a team that is going nowhere. So and, and the Pirates, they need some more position player help i know they got uh brian hayes he's he's returned for at third base and he's going to be a stud i think and you know they they could use some more we know they can they develop pitching and then once they're developed they ship them off to better teams and you know round and round she goes um you know in the forever rebuild but yeah man i love 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 that idea and hopefully we can see uh, uh you know adam frazier's first game as a white Sox when we're down there in pittsburgh uh we'll take a quick time out here close out the week Preview the next series for the White Sox and get into uh, your voicemails just a bit here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that give you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to Brad Fuller from the National Pro Fishing League tell you more. I've been a dipper of chewing tobacco for over 20 years. I have quit, started, and quit, and started. And now I've found a product where I don't have to quit. Let me introduce you to Fully Loaded. This product is food-grade quality, but it's not tobacco. That means the nicotine that's in this is not from tobacco. It's actually called TFN. It's tobacco-free nicotine. So you still get nicotine, but it's not from tobacco. Guys, I've tried a lot of these brands and things like this before. This is as close and as real to real tobacco as you're gonna get. You get all the benefits of it, and what I like about it, they have great flavors, they have pouches, they have straight, they have long cut, and it actually dips like real dip. It comes in fully loaded, half loaded, and then the nicotine free. So you, you can walk yourself back and walk away from the nicotine. I love it. You're going to love it. And now Fully Loaded Chew is offering a Locked On team listeners a special offer. Right now, you can try it just for $1. That's right, folks, just one buck. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com and use our promo code Locked On. That's right, just $1 and free shipping if you use the code Locked On at checkout. The next time you go for a dip, make it Fully Loaded Chew at fullyloadedchew.com. Locked On White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Herb and I, we just ordered 36 new Built Bars for our workspace because we love to snack during our shows on the score and we don't want to have bad choices during the day. So we ha- we keep Built Bars in abundance at work. They're right there next to us in the control room. So let me ask you, Herb, What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? Which ones did we order? I already forgot. They're so delicious, though. Uh, well, I love the peanut butter brownie. That is one of my favorites. I think you ordered some salted caramel for us, which also I love that flavor. And thirdly, if you're going to order Built Bars for me, give me that cookies and cream, too. I'm on max yeah. all of them. 
I and did. I got you some cookies and cream. I'm glad you like those. So yeah, we, oh, yeah, that's my stuff because and it's under uh, it's under 200 calories for all of them. Like I think the cookies and cream is like 160 calories. And I'm telling you, sitting on the board from a you know a beginning of a baseball game to the end, you're gonna have three to four hours of just not moving. It's a very convenient move just to reach over in the counter and grab a built bar and take you from lunch to dinner without having all these junk food and giving you great energy too. It's awesome in the middle of a game just to sit there and eat a built bar real quick and they're delicious as hell. Absolutely they are. And a little health and fitness update. I am down 19 pounds now and I don't think Man, I, I would have done awesome. it without built bar. They've just been so clutch and they've pretty much eliminated my sweet tooth for the most part. And whenever I do have those cravings, I have these built bars right there with me. And I've got, uh, I used to think I was cool and I was an influencer, but I think I figured out what built bars doing. I don't know if you got this package her, but they sent me grasshopper cookie and it's a mm. new one that they're rolling out. I would expect you guys will see that soon at builtbar.com. It is those concrete mixers. It's one of my favorite uh, delicacies and it's only 150 calories with 17 grams of protein and it's delicious. I'm going to have one here right after the show as my little treat. So if you want to have some built bars for yourself, have healthy snack options in your life. Go to builtbar.com. If you go there, use our promo code LOCKED15, and that's going to get you 15% off of your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. The Sox are playing the Tigers again. The Tigers, uh, this time the Sox are on the road, and I have not mentioned yet the Sox now. 14 games up, 38-24, and 24, and Cleveland was idle last night. So the Sox sitting pretty with a four and a half game lead in the AL Central, but they go to Detroit and uh, tonight we will not break this one down, but we'll have a recap of the series on Monday morning. Lucas Giolito in a rematch uh, from last Saturday, Lucas Giolito versus Tariq Skubal. Uh Giolito five and five with a three eight eight and Skubal three seven three and seven with a four three three. Uh, but he didn't pitch sack that on last Saturday, so this will be an interesting matchup, and hopefully Giolito can get a little bit of uh, revenge in this one on Friday. Yeah, it'll be great because I, whew, we need to get back into the central and start doing work. I think this boost of confidence beating the AL East team two out of three feels great. And now the Sox need to just bury the AL central four and a half games up on Cleveland right now. When you have the chance in this respite, because it's getting hard after this, you have Detroit for three, take all three. Because then you have Tampa Bay, the best team in the American League record-wise right now. And then after that, it's the Houston Astros on the road. Tough, tough time. So take advantage of the Detroit times and bury these people. And Lucas should have a chip on his shoulder. Should have that that fiery mentality that F Detroit. We're going to bury them. Or everybody when he's on the mound. F this team. And yeah. I just saw a, a text from Evan Marshall uh, from last night's game. He's showing the emotion that we talked about. And he's uh, retweeting White Sox Dave, our guy, who's showing him after his strikeout of Bo Bichette. Yeah. And he said, you're crazy if you think Lance Lynn doesn't have added value as a clubhouse guy. That's from Evan Marshall. And I was thinking that would be from his boy, Liam Hendricks, who came. Yeah. But he said it's from Lance Lynn. That is the fire that he's showing because Lance Lynn is bringing the fire on the mound himself. So he's giving credit to his boy, uh, Lance Lynn. That's nice to see. Well, we know about Lance Lynn. I've always been an asshole. So, you know, he's, he's it's contagious, I hear. Uh, but, yeah, that that's awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, all right here. So 312 uh, 566 We are where uh, 
about the play as play here on the Locked on White Sox podcast. All the players love coming out. GMs come out. And uh, this one coming in uh, from uh, from the city of Philadelphia right now. Let's see what's going on in Philly. Motown Philly back again. Hey, guys, this is Zach Wheeler. I'm watching oh. the White Sox and Blue Jays right wow. now pitch. Uh, Keiko and Ryu, you know, the White Sox wanted me too. I know they made a play for both of these guys. I'm just saying I really like, oh, yes, honey. Got to go, guys. I don't want my wife to know I'm talking to the White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, oh, that's good happens. stuff. We've all been there, even when, oh, you, when you when you when you want to play for the Phillies because your wife likes New Jersey. I'm confused here. New but Jersey, <laughs> New Jersey. Um, yeah, man, Zach Wheeler having a hell of a year. I hadn't looked at his numbers in a while. He's already accumulated mm-hmm. a, a, a nearly a three and a half WAR uh, with a two five one ERA for a team that is probably going nowhere uh you know the the Mets you know you know are in first place in the uh, NL East right now but yeah man I, I think that was I hadn't thought about Zach Wheeler uh in a long time and I think that's a that's a, a good thing you know we would love to have him on this team but I think that was uh, that was very very uh well done by Zach Wheeler and I'm sorry we've all been there all, all the guys have been there uh you know <laughs> you just you just gotta go but uh uh what better way to close out the week right there so that that's all I got and I hope you guys have a good weekend that is Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill. It Twitter is the way you follow him. Me, Ecknerwall23, Herb Lawrence. Locked on Socks is the way you can follow us at Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. 312-566-8727. If you want to leave a voice message like our guy Rick Hahn left the other day. Uh, we've had Jake Lamb. He's been our most frequent guy. Liam so Hendricks quiet. called in. Yeah, I, I, I love Liam Hendricks calling in. I think that was my favorite cameo of the week. And then, I mean, we're getting Phillies calling in. I mean, <laughs> didn't get Zach Wheeler out here. It's awesome. If Gene Segura can call in, too. Uh, that'll be great. Another maybe second base option, but they're, yeah. you know, competing. So they're going to. Yeah, be- maybe Moniker can call in. Moniker and Rachel. <laughs> I'd take a call from Moniker or Rachel at this point. Moniker and Rachel. So, yeah, I'd love the cameos this week. It's a fun week. Thank you, guys. Uh, once again, I don't know where we'll, we'll, where we'll place uh, in the standings this week against the Dodgers in terms of the Lockdown MLB Network shows, but uh, another fun week. And, you know, this has the, been the the perfect example of, of the White Sox season, Another this week like this. Uh, overall, a successful week. Uh, you know, riddled with injuries and and good contributions from you guys out there. So, you know, another one's in the books, man. And the Sox are in first place. You just got to enjoy it, man. Yeah, and that is Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence. And by the way, thank you for all the people who send me DMs last night about the tickets. A gentleman who was listening at two o'clock in the morning DM me first, and he got the tickets. He's at the, he went to the game tonight and hopefully enjoyed a great White Sox game. And then I gave the way the tickets for Monday because I'll be in Carpentersville. So come out and see me at Carpentersville. I don't have the exact details. Go to Ecknerwall 23. I'll have the details of the bar I'm going to be in for Carpentersville at seven o'clock. Do not hit me. Don't spit on me or anything like that, guys. Just talk to me. (laughs) Wow. If you disagree with what I say, just talk to me, guys. Please don't hit me. I'm good. Um, So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this awesome episode. First place episode. Four and a half games ahead of Cleveland episode of Locked on Socks.